as you're seated, look at somebody and smile at them. Oh, if you want to tell them you're looking good, just tell them you're looking good today. Oh, you even look good losing that one hour of beauty sleep, man. You're doing all right this morning. Praise God. Well, today we go to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 14. We're following along in our series entitled A Better Way. We welcome those who are watching with us on Facebook and YouTube. And of course, if you are a friend of the church on Facebook, you can share the link right now. You can take out your phone and share the fact that we're here, and it increases those who are able to participate with us today. Today, we're going to talk about when things seem impossible. Has anybody had a time in your life when things seemed impossible? Oh, we're going to jump ahead in a few chapters in the book of Exodus. Last week, we were in chapter number 10, and we talked about a man by the name of Pharaoh who, in fact, had interactions with Moses, and he had some bad attitudes. Let me say, friends, the Word of God shows you how to get past the stinking thinking of your life. And it shows you how to have God's type of attitudes that will set you up for victory. Because if you allow your mind to abide on the distress that Satan speaks into you, you will live a defeated life. But the word of God says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'll look at somebody and say, Jesus in me brings victory. Praise God. We remember that there's many things that we hear about the life of Moses that are encouraging. They're dynamic. But the one thing that we probably know Moses best about is the time when he reaches the Red Sea. And that's where we're going today. As the people of Israel have come triumphantly out of the land of Egypt, but they have not completely broken free from the attacks of their enemies. And friends, I want you to know something today. Some of you have come out of bondage, but Satan is still trying to bring you into captivity. Come on now. He'd love to take you back to Egypt. Scripture uses Egypt as a type of sin, and that's what we know was trying to happen in the midst of this account today. Here's the story as we begin our time together in the Word. Pharaoh had given permission for Moses and the Israelites to leave. We can even take it a step farther. Scripture records that it wasn't just permission. They encouraged them and pushed and hastened them along. They wanted them to leave. The reason was that the 10th plague was the death of all of the firstborn of Egypt. And the Egyptians looked around as they buried their children and they buried the eldest in their families and they said, we could be next, get them out of here, leave. And scripture says that they plundered the land of Egypt. They took with them gold and silver and clothing and those things that made the wealth of Egypt and they left. But let me tell you, it wasn't long until Pharaoh realized that they now no longer had the services of hundreds of thousands of slaves, of Hebrew slaves. That workload that they had carried, the arduous tasks that they had to do now fell to the Egyptians and they said, what have we done? We need to bring them back. And I want to just say this Sunday morning that Satan's desire is to bring you back into captivity. Come on now. He wants to bring you back into that place where he can dominate your life. But I want you to know that whom the Son is set free is free indeed. Oh, give the Lord a praise. You don't have to live in the defeat of yesterday. But one day the Israelites, the Hebrews, looked up and suddenly they heard a sound. 
They saw in the distance, no doubt, a cloud of, of dust because there were 600 chariots from Egypt pressing down upon them. There was the sound of men marching, coming after them, coming to a battle. And in front of Israel was the Red Sea, and they had no way to, to cross this great body of water. Behind them were the people of Egypt wanting to kill them and take them back into captivity. There was no place for them to go. And their situation seemed hopeless. And this Sunday morning, I believe that I'm speaking to the right group of friends because there's probably some gathered in this room this Sunday morning that your situation seems hopeless. You seem trapped You feel like in front of you there's problems and behind you there's problems. There's really no way out. Strange enough, though, they were exactly where God wanted them to be. And this is the interesting thing. Scripture records that by day, the children of Israel, the people were being led by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And that God had led them to this place at the edge of the Red Sea. And that's interesting because many of you today feel like God has been leading you in your journey of life. And yet you still feel like you have problems. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Why is it that I'm here? Why is it that God has brought me here? I'm doing my best to follow him. My situation seems impossible. Let me tell you, friends, it just because you're in a tough place doesn't mean God didn't lead you there to show you powerful things in your life. What are some of the things that seem impossible? Sometimes it's physical situations, isn't it? It's a report from the doctor or a condition you can't shake. Sometimes it's a relationship that's in trouble. Oftentimes, it's a financial need. I came across something that I thought was really good as we sometimes think about financial problems in our lives and and we wonder about how it's all going to work out. And here are eight signs that we're struggling in the economy. Listen with me if you would. One of the signs is that CEOs are no longer playing golf. They've resorted to playing miniature golf to save money. Another reason, you get, now listen carefully, a pre-declined credit card application in the mail. Not pre-approved, but pre-declined. They said there's no reason, even you can fill it out, but we know you're not going to get it. Number three, McDonald's has started selling the quarter ouncer instead of the quarter pounder. That's a sign that the economy is in bad shape. Another reason might be this. People in Beverly Hills have had to fire their nannies and are actually learning the first names of their children. Another sign of the economy in distress is that the highest paid available job that you can find is jury duty. Oh, now, some of you who've served jury duty know that that is a tough place to be. Another sign of a tough economy is that Motel 6 will no longer leave the light on for you. You're on your own when you get there. Hope you can find your way. A couple more. The mafia has started laying off judges. That's a sign that the economy is getting rough. And finally, one more for you today. The bad sign is when the bank returns your check marked insufficient funds. You have to call them and say, now, was that me having insufficient funds or you having insufficient funds, right? So you see, those could be signs of worry in our lives. Financial distress, problems. But the first thing that I want you to think of as we look at a better way is this truth. Recognize God's purpose for your problems. You know, the events in your life don't happen by accident. Did you know that God already knew who was going to be in church on Time Change Sunday? You know, when some people walk in at 1145, I don't want you to poke your neighbor and laugh this morning. You know, there'll be a few, right? But 
God already knew who was going to be here. He already has a plan for your life. God had a purpose in bringing Israel to the Red Sea, and he has a a purpose for the problem that you might be facing as well. God says in his word there were two things that he wanted to accomplish. Here's the first one. He wanted to make his glory known to other people. Go in your Bible to Exodus chapter 14 and look at verse number four, and this is what it says. It says, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Can I say that God wants people around you when you go through problems and come out victorious to identify that he is working in your life and that God did the work. Praise God. Oh, give the Lord a praise this morning. There's a second reason, though. It's pointed out for us right in the Word of God. The second reason is God wants to teach you To be a person, a man or woman, young or old, who trusts him more. I just want to tell you something this morning, friends. Some of us need to learn to trust God more today than we did yesterday. If you go back to the word of God, again, go to verse 31. It says, and when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. What does that say? God wanted the people to learn through their problem that they could trust him. Oh, and here's a word that you and I need to remember today. God wants us to trust him more today than we ever had before. The Red Sea was there for a purpose. And God can use your problems to glorify him and to strengthen the bond that you have with him. God wants you to grow in your relationship with him. But let me tell you a secret. Most of us don't grow in the good times too much. We grow more in the tough times, don't we? We grow more when there's a problem. We're more motivated to pray. We're we're stimulated in our spirits to spend time God. It's easier for us to sign up for fasting and prayer if we've got a need. Come on now. God uses these problems, allows them to come into our life for a purpose. And you can come through this ordeal with stronger faith than you ever had before, but you've got to make sure that you are looking and realizing that God is working. But let's be honest. Problems in life sometimes surprise us. You ever been surprised by a problem? A few weeks ago, the staff, uh, someone in the church gave us a, a gift, in fact, for a pastor appreciation. And so the staff went out for lunch for pastor appreciation. And as we were leaving the location, one of the staff called me and said, I've got a flat tire. How many of you know that we can be surprised by our problems? Man, we're out there to, to enjoy a blessing and to be encouraged. And Satan sneaks up. On, can I tell you, Satan's sneaky. He will sneak up on you, and you could even be feeling good. You might even be feeling good today and say, I got up, and I feel good. It's time change. Sunday, I was on time to church. But let me tell you, Satan's sneaky. He'll try to steal your joy today. I remember a story of a family who went out to to dinner and they took the kids with them. And those of you who are parents understand that taking younger children to a restaurant is not easy. Can I get an amen? 
Oh, when our kids were little, Ruth used to tell me on Sundays especially, I do not want to go out to eat after Sunday morning church because it's hard. The kids are tired. I don't want to do that. It's just going to make it more difficult. And praise the Lord that they have uh, restaurants that give away coloring uh, pages and colors, right? Isn't that a good thing? And all sorts of stuff like that. Well, this family, they went out, and as they got there that day, they were in a restaurant. It was a Friday night. And it was one of those places that had the big screens, watch athletic events, and there was a lot of people packed into that area. And they were understaffed, and they were running slow, and it had been one of those days that they took the order, and, and 10 minutes turned to 15, turned to 30, turned to 45 minutes, and their food still hadn't come, and they, they were running out of things to do with the kids, and the kids were getting anxious. And suddenly out of the area where the sporting stuff was being watched, you heard this huge roar. Have you ever been there and heard that happen? Yeah! Oh, it was a touchdown or a home run or whatever they were watching. And the little kid looked at his dad and he said, Dad, it sounds like somebody got their food. Man, have you ever been there? You're desperate. It's, it's agony and you're just trying to get through. Well, in the midst of these tough times of life, if you're facing a, a Red Sea or a difficult experience, I just want to say to you today, understand you have not been abandoned. God is with you. Let's go a little further in this passage. Understand the second truth. Retain God's perspective. Look at somebody say perspective. God's perspective on the situation. When the Israelites looked up, this is what they saw. They saw the Egyptians coming, pressing in on them. It's likely that they, they heard a noise and saw a cloud of dust in the distance. That's probably how it began. And then they began to be able to pick out chariots and, and men marching. And they knew that it was the sound of an enemy army. Listen to verses 10 and 11 as they began to see this army pressing down on them. As Pharaoh approached, it says, the Israelites looked up. And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, now listen to what they say to Moses. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Now listen to what they're really saying to him. Moses and really God, why did you save us from bondage? We were happy back there as slaves. Come on now. Have any of us been guilty of saying some of these similar things? God, why did you bring me here? Now, I know that you've been blessing my life. I know that you've been doing some new things. But God, I was happy back there in my misery. Oh, that's a good place for an amen. Or an oh me, because we do that to ourselves, don't we? God, why have you done this in my life? These people are so much like us today. They quickly forgot that they were in bondage and their lives were being destroyed. Let me remind you, friends, when Satan was the taskmaster of your life, he was eager and aggressively destroying you day after day, hour after hour, moment after moment. He was taking you further than you wanted to go. It was costing you more than you wanted to spend. And he was leaving in your life greater bondage than you had ever thought was possible. But Jesus brought you out. He set your feet on the solid rock and delivered you from the bondage of the things that Satan brought against you. Now, as we look at this passage today, 
The people were, were quickly convinced of the terrible circumstances that they were in. And it says in 12, verse 12, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Be careful what you say when you're frustrated. That's a pretty harsh statement, wasn't it? God, I wish you would have never brought me to this place. Really? What did God free you from that you've so quickly forgotten about? What bondage did he set you free from? God does not want you to live enslaved for the rest of your lives. But you know, sometimes we quickly forget how good God has been in our lives. The Red Sea that you're facing is not an impasse that you think it is. It's a problem. I'm not gonna tell you you don't have real problems. You may have indeed real problems. But let me tell you, God has a way of parting the Red Sea of your life and bringing you through. Don't lose God's perspective. I love Psalm 37, verse 23. Listen to what it says. If you haven't highlighted this or memorized this or marked it in your Bible, you should. Listen to what it says. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his ways. Can I tell you, God delights in your path. God has a, a purpose in everything that you are going through. And that brings us to another truth that we need to look at today. You need to rely on God's promises. Look at somebody and say, rely on God's promises. All we need to learn to do that, rely on God's promises. Now, what does that really mean? Well, we can endure just about anything if we know the outcome. But our biggest struggle is that we worry. Are there any good worriers in the room? I mean, does anybody have a bachelor's degree in worry? Does anybody, I mean, you've kicked it up a notch. I mean, you have a master's degree in worry. Do I see any doctorate degrees in worry in the room, right? What is that? Why is that? I heard about a guy who struggled with worry. I mean, he always seemed to be fretting about his money. He was worried about his, his marriage. He was worried about his kids. He was worried about his job. He was worried about if he'd lose his job. And then one day he came into work and he seemed super happy. And people were like, well, that seems a little strange. I don't know what's going on with this guy. But it, it lasted for a day, turned into a week, turned into two weeks. And one of his friends walked up and he says, I noticed something different about you. He says, you do? He said, I do. You seem to be happier than you've ever been. He said, well, I'll tell you what. I'm not worrying like I used to. He said, you're not worrying. What happened? He said, I'll tell you. I figured it out and I've hired a professional worrier. And he looked, he said, a professional worrier? What does that even mean? He said, this person, that I pay him $1,000 um, a week, and they worry for me. I don't have to worry at all about anything. He said, you're, you're kidding. He said, no. He says, you feel better? He says, I feel better. He says, how do you pay for $1,000 a week? That's so expensive. He says, that's not my problem. That guy has to worry about that. <laughs> now, here's a great truth for us. Doesn't the word of God say, cast all your cares on him, for he careth for you? It's really saying, cast your worries on God and let God take care of those things. Exodus chapter 14, let's pick up at the 13th verse. Read a little further. It says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. I want you to just say it out loud. Do not be afraid. You need to internalize that today. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. Oh, say that one. Stand firm. 
and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. I like the fact that God said he'd do it today. Oh, that's good stuff. Then it says, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. Oh, I like that. And, and you only need to, here it comes, be still. So let's look at some of these truths this morning. Great truths that God gives to us. First of all, God promises that the problem of your life will be eradicated. Moses says to the Egyptians, he says, the, the, or to the Israelites, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see them again. It will be over. Would anybody like your problems to be over? Can I tell you, God can take care of it where it will be over. Eradicated. Gone. Now, most of us stick a Band-Aid on it. Have you ever had an ache or a pain, and you took an ibuprofen or a acetaminophen? Anybody ever do that? What? That's a Band-Aid, isn't it? You're not really dealing with the problem. You're dealing with the symptom to the problem. You're saying, you know, if I take this pill for the next few hours, it won't hurt, and I, I just need to forget about that pain. That's what we do so much of the time with life. If I can just forget about the pain. That's what gets people addicted to drugs and alcohol, isn't it? If I could just drown my problem with drink or drown my problem with drugs, or let's take it another direction, drown it in a, in a relationship or in an affair or in a sexual encounter. But friends, let me tell you that that pain always comes back when the drug wears off, doesn't it? And it's usually multiplied. Now with regret. So first, God can take it completely away. Next, God promises, and I like this, to fight for you. How many of you like it when somebody fights for you? I mean, shows up for you. They don't, they don't wait for, for it to be somebody else. They're the one who takes care of your situation. I don't know if you've ever had this happen. But have you ever gone to a restaurant or maybe you're in line at McDonald's or Starbucks and you're going through the drive-thru or you're sitting in a restaurant and you're waiting for the bill and you get ready to pay and they say, oh, somebody already paid for that for you. Has anybody ever had that happen? And you're like, what, for me? Really? What is that? They're taking care of it for you. And obviously it doesn't probably happen to us very often, but when that does happen, we feel special, don't we? Can I tell you, God can take care of it for you and it should change the way that you even think about your life. Why? Because God cares for you. Relying on God means, well, let's look at some of these. He says to them to fear not. That's a choice that you can make to not be afraid. Well, you might say, no, I can't. I just feel afraid. You can either choose to believe God or you can choose fear. I don't know, pastor, is that true? Okay, let's see what the Bible says. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of, here it comes, power, love, and soundness of mind. That means you can choose to live in fear. And let's be honest, all of us have made that choice some days, haven't we? Fear or power, love, soundness of mind. Second, stand firm. I want everybody to just say it out loud. Stand firm. Stand firm. Don't compromise your integrity. Don't give up. Don't run. Stand and face your situation. Number three, be still. Oh, look at somebody say, be still. Be still. 
We're not very good at this one. But scripture says, be still and know that I am God. Well, but you know, I need to go. No, be still. Well, you know, I need that. Be still. Rest in the fact that God has this. What do we do when we rush about? Don't we try to figure it out, find it, do it for ourselves? Oftentimes, God has already told you he'll take care of it. Come on now. Has God spoken a word into your life and said, I'm going to take care of this? Or he's given you a peace that passes understanding. Now, what is that? God telling you he will work it out. Isn't that right? Well, I don't understand why I have peace, but I have peace. But I I think I need to do something. No, be still. Rest in the peace that he's given to you. Let's go on to the next one. Rest in God's protection. When the Israelites first began their journey, Scripture talks about the fact that they were led by a a cloud by day. This would lead them for, for the years that they were in the wilderness. They would also be led at night by a pillar of fire, which gave a great light to them. And it's amazing how that God blesses us. Because one thing that we know in the wilderness, how many of you know that the wilderness equals hot? Right? It usually equals extremes. So hot. If you've got a cloud, do you understand that the hot is not quite as bad? Isn't that right? Now, we live in the high desert. Would you also agree with me that sometimes it's not always hot, but if it's this time of year or maybe a few months prior, sometimes the cold is extra cold, isn't it? So what does that fire do for us at nighttime? It warms us. It gives us a light. It provides for us a great provision. Exodus chapter 4, verses 19 through 20. Look at those very carefully with me today. It says, Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front, say somebody front, it's going ahead of them, in front, leading them, in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. This was not a normal occurrence. The pillar of the cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other. So neither went near the other all night long. Now, the process of deliverance was not complete. The people had not crossed all the way to the other side and were not out of harm's way. You may feel like you're not out of harm's way, but can I tell you, God is still protecting you. What did he do? He sent this cloud, the presence, goes here, and it divides. One side receives the darkness. The other side receives the light. The Egyptians couldn't get to Israel, could they? Because the protection of God was there. Now, I want you to just think with me what people, being people. How many of you know that people are people? Did, you, did anybody encounter people being crazy on your drive into church this morning? It was Sunday. Come on now. You know, they might have even had a church bumper sticker on the back of their car, and they're driving all crazified. Can I tell you that people have always been people? And they always act out sometimes. 
And so as the, the pillar is moving from the front, that's where it always is, and it's going to the back, how many of you think that at least one guy probably elbowed his neighbor and said, well, that's it. Look, even God is leaving. Right? Uh-oh. Now we're really in trouble. You know, often God's protection is misidentified by us, isn't it? God stops us. He slows you down. Have you ever been just moments late for an accident? Just, just something happened, you didn't get there, and all of a sudden there was an accident right on your journey. Why? Because the protecting hand of God was resting over your life. The reason things are not as bad in your life, I want you to listen carefully, the, the reason they're not worse than they are is because God is protecting you. Let me say it again. Your life would be much worse if it wasn't for the protection of God. God's been showing up for you. He's been protecting you. And that leads us to the last thing I want us to look at this morning as we close. You and I need to learn to reach for God's power. Reach for his power. Go to verses 15 and 16. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? I love this verse. It's a great verse. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Now let me just say, sometimes you need to be still, and sometimes you need to move on. Sometimes you need to, to get going. He says, why? He says, tell the Israelites to move on, raise your staff, and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. For us to understand this, we need to understand that God's deliverance is there, and we've got to step out in faith. What is faith? By definition, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Scripture says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, because he that has faith must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The staff was instrumental as a symbol of the power of God. The staff that Moses carried had been used to show God's power. Let's use some examples. Right in the word of God. Was waved over the Nile and the Nile turned to blood. Go to Exodus chapter 7, verses 19 and 20 to read about it. We also read in Exodus chapter 8, verses 5 through 6, that the staff was stretched over the streams and the plague of the frogs was sent. We could go a little bit further and see in Exodus chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, the staff was struck on the ground and the plague of the lice swarmed the land. Chapter 9, verses 22 through 23, the staff was stretched to the sky and hail was rained upon Egypt. And these plagues that had come, many of them had come on Egypt, but some of them God had given a protection to what was called the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel lived. And so for many of the plagues, Egypt was plagued, but the people in Goshen were safe. They were not plagued. And yet the staff represented God's power. Now let me just pause and say, God has given to us power today. What did Jesus say? Tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. How does that power come? The power comes in our life through the Holy Spirit's indwelling within us. 
God desires for you to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe and Scripture teaches that the initial physical evidence of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. It's not so you can just speak in tongues. It's so you can be empowered. If you've never been empowered, my encouragement to you this Sunday is reach for the power. You need to reach for the power of God, amen? You don't need to depend on the pastor's power or prayer. You don't need to depend on the prayer and the power of the deacons. You don't need to depend on the prayer and the power of the altar workers. You can have power, amen? It can be in your life. Reach for the power that God has available. And it's available to you. I'm going to end with this verse. As we come to the close, the musicians prepare to come. This is another great verse. It comes from Psalm 37, verse 25. If you've never highlighted this or memorized this or underscored it in your Bible, great day to do it. This is what it says. It's going to speak to a lot of people right now. Here it goes. I have been young and now I'm old. How many of you think, oh, this one's for me? Right? I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. What is that? The power of God always shows up for his people. But pastor, it's desperate. Oh, give the Lord a praise. Pastor, it's desperate out there. It's dark out there. It's difficult out there. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me end with this question. Anybody in this room ever seen God show up for you? If God has ever shown up for you at least once, I want you to raise your hand. Now, here's the great truth. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You and I need to reach for his power. What do we learn in this passage? Are you facing a Red Sea? Are you facing what we would say is an impossible situation that you can't get through? Remember, God has a plan. He didn't lead you to this place by happen chance. Just like you're not in this church this Sunday morning by happen chance, God directs the steps of the godly. So recognize God's purpose for your problem. Retain God's perspective on the situation. Don't give in to your own, own perspective. Rely on God's promises. Remember to rest in God's protection. What a great truth that is. And finally, reach for God's power. And this is for all of us today. There's no problem that God cannot supply that way of escape that you need.